Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. April 27th through 29th. Good evening from Dagan Nation. You're in the pit stop. I'm Tim Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Wilson in the Commonwealth to Virginia right outside of Richmond Raceway. Stephen, how you doing tonight, bud? Doing pretty good. We're done with the West Coast, and now I guess it's time to come back to my home state. Um, little half-mile bullring paper clip up there in the mountains. You got that right, brother. And the hot dog capital of the capital of the world <laughs> yeah yeah that's true <laughs> but yeah i want to apologize i hadn't really had time to really talk to you Stephen. we had them tornadoes come through last night it really didn't affect us that bad it got the north end of the system just south of jacksville up there where that bad one hit and uh you know anytime uh good morning america comes to the state of alabama to cover something something bad or bad went wrong but they hit up I think it was EF3 they finally said touchdown up there. And yeah, our north end of our system there just south of Gaston. I think we had six work all night last night at uh, Coosa Valley Electric. And I think we we caught trouble all day long. So I've been I've been busy. But let's go ahead and get everything started. Uh, Reverend Joe, 
to take an evening off. We want to send our thoughts and prayers to Reverend and Miss Betty. He had a minor minor procedure done. Uh, he got out of the hospital today. No nothing to worry about. Just a minor deal. He's doing good. He's just tired and sore. So I uh, want to send our thoughts and prayers from everybody at the Pit Stop and Speedway Digest to Reverend Joe and Miss Betty out there in California. And I'll go ahead and start and get the prayer done, and we'll start talking some races. Let's bow our heads. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Let us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Stephen, we got a big show tonight. We got Shannon Spate from Fox Sports coming on. Yes, yes, we do. And uh, you know, forgive me, I I put the microphone and mute on my side. I was listening to you, and then you stopped talking, and I guess I didn't hit the button fast enough. But yes, a lot to talk about tonight. A lot has gone on in the last week. Um, and yes, um, from Fox Sports, former ESPN pit reporter. And uh, now the host of uh, Race Hub on Fox, uh, Shannon Spade, coming on here tonight. Yeah. And, Stephen, you and I, we've we've talked until, you know, like I said, all this stuff went down with tornadoes and stuff. I hadn't really had time to talk to you. I know one of the one of the big breaking news deals coming out of uh, NASCAR since we had the show last Tuesday night was uh, Lowe's is uh, stepping away from the, from the number 48 in Hendrick Motorsports. Uh they're not going to be the sponsor in 2019, so that's up in the air also. And I know you had mentioned something about Daniel Hamrick is going to make his first cup start at Martinsville this weekend. Am I correct? No, he's uh, at Richmond, another one Richmond. right down the road from me. Yeah, he, so Daniel Hamrick and the number eight car for Richard Childress Racing, they're going to be back um, bringing the third car to Richmond, short track up here. Uh, in just a couple of weeks at the end of uh, April, that uh, he will come out and he will make his uh, NASCAR uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series debut. And while I got it fresh on my mind, before we get into the other news, uh, to let all of our listeners know, we will be doing a live show from Richmond International uh, on Saturday and Sunday, or Saturday or Sunday, whatever Stephen decides to do. Stephen's going to be. Uh, they're, they're they're back to they're back to the Saturday night race. There there's no more Sunday racing up here in in, in the Commonwealth of Virginia at Richmond. They have. Uh, Moved it back underneath the lights for uh, Saturday night for the Toyota Owners 400. So that's been here last spring. It was on Sunday afternoon, but this year it is going to be uh, at uh, 6.30 Eastern time from Richmond Raceway and the Toyota Care 250s Friday night at 7.30. So all night racing back in here in April at Richmond Raceway. Thank you for clarifying that, Stephen. I think I messed that up last year and got it mixed up, and then they swapped again. So, <laughs> but yeah, Th- thank you for covering my back, buddy. But yeah, yeah, uh, Stephen's going to be doing a couple live shows there. Uh, he's going to be on the on the grounds there, walking around the garage area, pit area, getting interviews from drivers, fans, whoever Stephen runs up on. Stephen's about like me. Uh, we could talk to a stop sign, but uh, we'll get them dates out later, and uh, I will be manning the studio back here just south of Taldoak Super Speedway while Stephen's doing all that. But just to let everybody know about that uh, since since you brought it up. And uh, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Despain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. And coming up shortly, like we uh, mentioned, we got Shannon Spake uh, from Fox Sports. She has, like Stephen mentioned earlier, you know, she, she's uh, done NFL. She's done stuff. She's done football, college basketball. She's done stuff ESPN. Stephen, I want to get your thoughts on uh, – what I mentioned earlier, uh, the number 48 uh, Chevy there at Hendrick Motorsports of Jimmy Johnson. Lowe's is stepping away as a as a sponsor. Is that something NASCAR needs to be looking at real hard as far as these sponsors leaving and far as we don't have a 40-car field no more? I mean, I think we've mentioned that. But, I mean, this was like a shocker to me. I didn't see this coming. I didn't see it coming down the pipe. I didn't hear nothing on social media. Nobody texted me. Nobody emailed me until, boom, we got the press release from Hendrick about Lowe stepping away. Well, you know, this is this is a, a, a bigger thing than just Lowe's in the sport. And I think I, I made mention to um, Tom on uh, the Balance Radio on Friday, uh, sorry, Saturday, when he asked sort of a similar question answer. 
you know, <clears throat> Johnson has been with Lowe's for about 17, 18 years, his entire career in uh, NASCAR, um, going back many years, even to the old Bush years. But Lowe's has a very strong relationship to NASCAR and a legacy in NASCAR that spans decades and decades and decades. Um, you know, a lot of us probably remember when uh, Mike Skinner ran the Lowe's, uh, Lowe's car. And even prior to that, you know, they, were, they, they sponsored North Wilkesboro Speedway. It was one of their first sponsorships, really introduction to the sport right there in their hometown of North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. But, you know, over the years, they've moved out of there. They've moved on. They've become a bigger company than they were decades ago or even when they were part of um, Mike Skinner's effort in NASCAR. Um, you know, and uh, as we have kind of seen with other teams uh, uh, or other sponsors and teams together, they have reduced down their total, you know, uh, partnerships in this sport over the years. And we've not seen what we've seen in the 80s or 90s or 70s, where one sponsor would be on the car week after week. You knew that car was going to come to the racetrack, whether it was STP on the car with Richard Petty or, you know, whoever it may be, you know, uh, uh, excuse me, the Allison's. Uh, you know, you knew that you're going to have Miller, Miller beer on that car. I mean, there was just so many, you know, efforts out there that we've seen over the the the, the 60 plus years in NASCAR. However, we're in a new stage of not only just an economic downturn, but you know, we're we're recovering from that economic downturn, uh, and these companies are not going out there and spending 30 or 40 million dollars anymore to put their name on the car for 38 weeks a year, and then put in the time and money that it takes on the back end to market that effort. There's a lot that goes into this other than just putting your name on, on a car. And, you know, when, when companies start looking at, you know, it's going to cost us $50 million, $60 million, whatever the number may be, I don't really honestly have any clue what some of these teams put into it over a year's effort or over the contract effort. Um, but, you know, they, there's, you know that they're putting at least 30 or $35 million on a car like uh, Jimmy Johnson. Even the Hendrick had said himself when Junior Loss uh, sponsored that, you know, they were uh, going to – you know, run the car blank because they weren't going to take anything less than what it costs to feel the full effort in that car. And I think, you know, as we've gotten over time is that we're now kind of in this point that we're going to see multiple driver, I mean, multiple sponsors on the driver, even some of these popular drivers out there. Um, and just, Lowe's leaving is not definitely indicative, you know, of, a lo- uh, of just a problem that's occurring right now. This is indicative of a problem that's been occurring over years. And really, I think that, um, you know, as we start to try and figure out how we're going to reduce costs down, how we're going to do other things in the sport, sponsors are doing the same thing because as attendance falls, TV ratings fall, the return of an investment falls at the same time. And I think some of these, you know, bean counters that sit in the back room, are sometimes making these decisions more on that than they are on, you know, what they can get out of it. And you know that if Lowe's was putting 35 or 40 or $50 million into this every year for Johnson's effort, they were getting more than $50 million of return on investment out of it. And obviously we had plenty of store sales that would support that. So it's not like, you know, they were spending money and just not getting anything in return. And I just think at this point, we just have to look to the future that we're going to start seeing multiple primary sponsorships on a car. Exactly, Stephen. And, you know, you and I, we have spoke about this on multiple occasions in different times. Like we talk about the times are changing. You've got this younger group coming up, <clears throat> you know, Alex, Alex Bowman, uh, William Byron. There's a lot of these younger guys coming up also. And the age of a, uh, of a race car driver now is it's sort of coming down from what it is. You know, Jimmy Johnson's 42. He signed a contract extension with Hendrick Motorsports last year through 2020. But um, that's something that we can talk about too also, Stephen. But at this time, I want to go ahead and bring on our uh, guest for tonight, uh, co-host NASCAR Race Hub and NASCAR Race Day, Xfinity sideline reporter, Fox, NFL, college football, you name it, she's done it. Let's bring Shannon Spake into the pit stop with Tim Spain and Stephen Wilson. Ladies 
ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Good evening, Shannon. How are you doing tonight? Well, that was quite an intro. I think that's the first time <laughs> I've ever been introduced on a radio show like that. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Shannon. And again, I want to thank you very much for taking time out to come on the show. I know you're very busy. But uh, I, want to, I want to ask right off the bat, are you keeping Larry Mack straight? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we do this little segment on the Xfinity pre-race show called Stump the Mac. And at first, you know, Larry is such a pro at at everything he does, and he's always so prepared. It literally takes him four hours to prepare for one of our race day shows. And so I think at first when we started to do those, uh, he was a, he, he'd get a little he'd get a little nervous, you know, because he doesn't like to be put in a situation where he might not get things right. But uh, since last year, he's really kind of opened up to the idea. In fact, he had a mole for a long time, and the mole would give him the questions. And I finally just said to him, I was like, come on, uh, were you also a kid that liked to go find your Christmas presents before, you know, Christmas morning and, and, and open them up? I, I said, just have a good time with it. So we are having a really good time. That sounds good, Shannon. Yeah, we've had Larry Mack on the show multiple times. Stephen can tell you too. He is, and I tell you how to how to really make him mad. I think I done it one time. I think I really made him mad. I walked by him here at the media center one time, and I said, "War Eagle, Larry Mack," and his face just turned red as a beach. <laughs> that will do it. You you start messing with his tide, and that will do it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And Shannon, like I said, I know your time's limited. I got a couple of questions here and I'm going to throw you over to, to Stephen. Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, you were raised in South Florida and at age 13 uh, you had to have some, some major back surgery which I not, I didn't have nothing major of what you had. I've, I've had two two back surgeries but nothing like that. Damn it, what can you sort of let everybody know I mean, just how major that that, that went and did you expect you would be anywhere where you are now after having that major back surgery? Well, I think when you're 13 years old, 12, 11, 13 years old, you know, you're, you're immortal, right? And, and you don't really realize how, how big things are um, at the time. Uh, so, you know, it, it was a, it had, I had scoliosis, so, you know, they had to straighten my spine and they had to put a rod on each side of my spine. I think the biggest thing for me at that time was that I was told that I couldn't do sports because a lot of the doctors thought that sports would, would make the scoliosis worse. So I was kind of taken out of sports for a while, and, and, I, and I used to do, like, dance lessons like all little girls did. Um, and then kind of dealing with, I think, the, you know, the scar on my back and, and people kind of recognizing that. I think there were a lot of things that you go through as a young kid that, um, that can be hard. But I think it really kind of, it, A, I think it allows me to kind of, um, you know, I think confidence-wise, you make it through those things and, and you find the beauty in everything. And I have this long scar, uh, you know, on, the, on my back, and, and I think it's awesome because it's a, a talking point that, that has, you know, a really great story behind it. And I think also you realize that you, you, you have to put yourself in other people's shoes and what other people are going through and how hard it can be, uh, you know, to be a kid nowadays or even back then. Um, but, yeah, I, I, nowadays I, I do triathlons, I do half Ironmans, I do marathons. I had twin boys and carried them um, almost at full term. So I, I truly am an example of someone who's been told in the past that they might be limited in their future physically and have not allowed that to happen. Amen, Shannon. Kudos to you. Amen, sister. And um, my last question, and I'm going to throw you over to Stephen, like I said, because I know your time's limited. Um, back in 1999, uh, you sort of interned for the Neil Rogers show uh, down there in Miami. And then after that, uh, was that about the time when you started getting your start was back then when you was that intern and then you moved on up to New York City to join Nickelodeon and, and all that? Can you just sort of let our listeners know a little bit about that time frame there? Yeah, so it's interesting. My my mom grew up around a, a, a family called the they, their last name was the Rennicks, and Ralph Rennick was really like almost like the Dan Rather of, of Fort Lauderdale in South Florida at the time. He was the big you know evening news newscaster. So I always kind of growing up had a, a little bit of that influence in my life. And I remember Shepard Smith came to my school one time to talk and. 
it, yeah, as a kid, you don't really realize how those moments kind of influence you. But we were able to go to the Fox station in Miami and, and see all of that stuff when I was in high school. When I got the Neil Rogers internship, it, it was either there at, at a place like Neil Rogers, which was a talk radio station, or I could have gone to a radio station where, you know, it, you go to promotions and you throw T-shirts into the, into the crowd. And I chose to go to Neil Rogers because I knew I'd learn how to edit um, some pieces and, and I'd work on a show that, that really kind of gave me some skills. And I was there for, you know, about six months to a year while I was finishing out college. And that was the one thing that I had on my resume when I packed up my U-Haul truck and went to New York City and started knocking on doors, riding elevators, because that's, that's literally what I did when I got to New York. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a job. Uh, and I had that internship on my, re- on my resume. Uh, and, and I knew that my nine years or my eight years of Outback Steakhouse waitressing, as good as it was for tips and, and at the time, I knew that wasn't going to be what it took to get me in the door at some of these television stations in New York. So thankfully, I had that resu- that, that, that experience on my resume when I, when I landed in, in New York City and, and tried to make my way there. Yes, ma'am, Shannon. We all got to start somewhere. I want to thank you again for coming on. Uh, I was, uh, my next race will be Talladega here at my home track. I hope to speak to you I there. I love and- Talladega. Yes, I do too. Russell Brown and them, Grant Lynch, they put on a great show out here every year, every year. They do. But, Shannon, thanks again, and uh, I'll see you in Dega. Tell Larry and Mac I said War Eagle, and I'm going to hand you over to Steve. Have a good evening. Okay, great. Thank you. You're welcome. Shannon, thank you a lot for coming on here tonight. One of the first things I want to ask you about is you just talked about a little bit of your prelude over into the broadcasting side of things. You've been a pit reporter and now an on-air analyst, not only on Race Hub, but during the weekends to the Xfinity Series show and other programs that are put together for NASCAR for Fox. Talk about how your path from that to where you are today and how much experience that each step of the way really garnered you so that you can move on to the next part of your career. Yeah, it's been crazy. You know, I, I think back on it, and I, I think you're so busy when you're in the moment, kind of keeping your nose down and moving forward, that oftentimes it's, you don't you don't have the opportunity to kind of look back and reflect until you're 10, 15 years down the road. And, and um, you know, I started at ES – I actually started with Fox in 05 on a little show called NASCAR Nation. I knew very little about racing at the time. I locked myself in my, in my house and, you know, kind of went through, you know, article after article to, to learn as much as I could. I did a show called Backseat Drivers with Marty Smith at 2005 and then went over to ESPN. And ESPN was so good for me because, and I, I, I read Megan Kelly's book and, and she started at a, um, at, at a, um, not a network, at, at more of a cable uh, entity. And, and those entities, especially ESPN, you get so many reps because they have so many shows that you have to service. I was so green when I started at ESPN. I, I, it's, it's not a joke that it took me an hour to just read through like a, a couple of tracks and to try to get it right because I was so green. But ESPN gave me the, the, the platform and, and the opportunity to, to learn a lot. And, and I think NASCAR for me, getting my, getting my experience in NASCAR was huge because, if, A, I had, to, I had to ask a lot of questions. I had to learn the sport. I had to meet new people and prove myself in that, in that garage. And, uh, and the workload is, is so much that when you go to other sports, I think your, your work ethic is set. And you work with a team, you know, all the pit reporters when, back in the day it was Jamie Little and myself and Mike Massaro, Vince Welch, Dave Burns, you know, working as a team down there and, and not as an individual. I think you learn a lot that way as well. But when I was in, you know, I was doing the, the NASCAR stuff for ESPN, I wanted to do more. I wanted to be more diverse. So I, I knocked on doors again and, and begged them pretty much to put me on some other stuff and had the opportunity to move over and do college football and college basketball. And, and now I think that has really helped me as I've come over to Fox and not only am able to do the Race Hub show, but also do the NFL stuff and, and as many basketball games as I can possibly fit into my schedule because I just love college basketball so much. So, but I think, I think starting in racing and just the amount of work that it takes and the hardest working people are in that media center. And you guys know that because you're there. Uh, it's, it's a big game weekend every weekend in the NASCAR series. Our, our TV compound is, is as big as some of these huge events like the Super Bowl. Um, that the weekend is as long as, as some of the, the tournaments and basketball that we're going through right now. And I think that really sets the stage for everyone to be successful if, if you take those opportunities. 
So you just talked about how the, your path has gotten you to where you are today with race. But the next question I've kind of asked to a, a fair amount of people, and everybody seems to have a different imp- interpretation of how um, things have changed. And what I mean by that is that back then when you started or even prior to when you started, a lot of this wasn't online. We didn't have the Facebooks. We didn't have the Twitters. We didn't have the Instagrams and all the other things out there that you could deliver content to on a weekend and engage a fan. It was more or less through magazine articles, newspapers, television, and there was that disconnect. But over time, that has changed in the industry. So how has that changed for you and how you report from – Going from that style of, you know, reporting many years ago where it's not that engagement to today where we are just so connected and we are so engaged with one another in a NASCAR platform. Well, certainly I think it, it, it gives you the opportunity to find your stories in a lot of different places that you might not have been able to find it back in the day. You know, you could just go to a driver's Twitter page and, and kind of catch up on what he's been doing all week. And uh, so I think certainly that, that helps a lot, you know, but it's also not as exclusive. You don't feel like you're getting the scoop. Everyone has it already, which uh, sometimes takes a little bit of the, the fun out of it. Um, but you do get a lot more information, and you can always extend those stories. And, and that's what I think it's taught a lot of us to do is to take something and, and extend that story, find out how to make that story into a bigger story and, and, and tell, you know, the, the back scene behind um, what some of these drivers are revealing or some of these players are revealing on social media. But certainly we know these guys a lot, or even if it's NFL athletes. You know, back in the day, you, you, you didn't really feel like you, you knew a lot of these guys, and now you do because of social media. I think for us as, as, um, as reporters, uh, just trying to get into this business or being in this business, it, it's twofold, right? There are a lot more opportunities for young kids nowadays than there was when I, when I, when I first started back in, you know, 2000. You can go and do a blog. You can go and do a podcast. You can, you can put out videos. Uh, you know, there's bloggers. So there's a ton of opportunities for kids to get into this industry and, and to make something of themselves. But at the same time, there's a lot more of them who you're trying to then um, kind of separate yourself from. And from these experiences that you've gained over time, what do you feel that now is the hardest part of your job and sometimes the easiest part of your job on the weekends? And how do you personally stay relevant and current with the ever-changing sport and the sphere of the 24-hour news cycle? It's all about relationships, and I don't care what sport I'm covering. It's all about relationships. You work with a coach the first time. You make sure, you know, I send thank you notes to every single coach and to every single PR person that I meet with, regardless of how much time I spent with them, because to me that, that's that personal touch that the next time I'm around these guys, the next time I'm working with these, these coaches and athletes, they remember you a little bit because it is all about relationships. It's all about building that trust that, um, and that's what I have in NASCAR because I've been in the garage since 2005. And so the relationships are certainly there. Uh, and, and they were there in college football. I would spend pretty much from January to, to April with, with Kentucky or with Florida or with Duke or with North Carolina, getting to know those guys. I go to as many practices as I possibly can. I, I show the coaches and those players that I'm as invested in their programs as they are. And I think that that I tell people all the time that hard work is genderless. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl, if you work hard, people are going to recognize that and it's going to separate you. Uh, I think for me, the hardest part of my job now is the fact that I'm a mom and it's not just about me and what I do on the road and, and my job. It's about balancing it with being a mom and, and a wife and all of the things, the responsibilities that I have here as well. It's not just about me uh, and getting on the road and doing my research. It's about balancing that as well. Shannon, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight and talk to us and give us a little insight about your career and what you've done over time. Before we let you get out of here, I know you don't have any sponsors because that's what we usually tell the drivers at least, but we'll (laughs) let you. um, Please tell everybody where they can follow you on social media, your upcoming programming on Fox Sports, and what you guys have going on this weekend from the Half Mile Paperclip in Martinsville. Yeah, so we're off. The Xfinity Series is off the next two weeks, so it's sort of like our little spring break. 
but we still have Race Hub. We just finished Race Hub tonight. We had A.J. Allmendinger and Andy Petrie on. Daniel Hemrick, we had Kevin Harvick talking before he did his, uh, his happy hours on Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Uh, so we, we will be doing that. I think Joey Logano's on this week, Chad Knauss. So it's still a busy week at, at Race Hub. And, uh, yeah, so people can find me at Shannon Spake, um, at Shannon Spake on Twitter, also on Instagram. I'm also an Ironman ambassador. So the Ironman Foundation, I've done two Ironman events and, and working on training for my third. And they asked me this year to be an Ironman ambassador. So if anybody is interested in, in triathlons or doing any of that stuff, I'm, you know, just, just shoot me a note, let me know. Uh, Cause that means it, it, the community, the Ironman community and the Ironman foundation, they've been so good to me and, and really kind of changed my life. And so I, I try to, I try to turn, I try to give that, give that back to people that I can. Thanks Shannon. I appreciate it. And best of luck through, the, through race hub and the rest of the week. And, Hope to see you at the track coming up. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anytime. Shannon Spake there, uh, NASCAR on Fox, David. She uh she talk, she really puts her heart into everything. You you can tell by the way she talks. Whenever she got started, she just kept going and going and going. Just like she said, she sends a thank you note, a thank you card to everybody coach whoever that spends time to talk to her i think that's a pretty big deal there yeah it is and the perseverance over time is you know uh uh, you just take a look what she's been through especially in her young life and then what she had to persevere through in order to make it to this level and it just kind of shows you that sometimes you know it's not all about just sending out a resume or you know sitting and getting in front of somebody's face but sometimes it's that extra push to get out there and be a part of that community of whatever you're you're covering or whatever you're trying to be a part of and just fully, you know, be a part of that and, and just going to extra effort, I think, is, you know, just exactly what she was talking about. Yeah, exactly, Stephen. Stephen, let's, let's take a little short short break the past few shows we've done we hadn't had time to take a break let's just let's take a little break step aside listen to a song or two and we'll and we'll come right back in a minute how's that sound to you bud all right all right uh i'm tim Mustaine, live in the live in the pit stop here in talladega alongside speedwaydigest.com mr stephen wilson in the commonwealth of virginia number to call in is 215-483-3681 we'll be right back after this short message
Pack up the crew and head out to Talladega Super Speedway for race weekend, April 27th through 29th. GEICO 500 ticket holders can enjoy free camping in three different campgrounds around the track. This is more than a race. This is Talladega. We're back live from Dega Nation. I'm Tim Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. And Stephen and I were talking during the during the break. Uh, and if we get some callers, I want to give you all the option to call in. Number is 215-336-81. We want to talk a little bit about the cars that, that failed inspection that didn't get to qualify at Fontana there, Stephen. There was a bunch of them. A bunch. Yeah, I mean, you had like 20 cars that came out uh out at the end of the day that just didn't get to make time because of failing inspection, including all of the Hendricks Motorsports cars. You know, NASCAR, you know, this this new, um, I don't know what they actually want to call it. I mean, it looks like a disco studio to me, but, you know, this new... Uh, <laughs> Ron Devine calls, calls it the Hawkeye. Uh, okay, yeah, I think that's the official name for it is the Hawkeye. <laughs> Or something like that, but uh, uh, yeah, the laser lights and the disco ball, and you know the the measurements that they take on these cars are becoming more and more precise every every, every time that we go through a new iteration of um, you know the, the the inspection process. I mean, we had the list system last year with there was a laser inspection station. We've had templates before. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that we've been through over an evolutionary period, and now this is just something new for, for teams that they're going to have to be um, be aware of. You you can't, you know, you just can't keep coming to the racetrack and, you know, failing cars and, you know, going to inspections and, you know, wasting a lot of time for other people, um, especially some of those that go through two and three, four times and then end up having and drawing a penalty of some sort at the end of the weekend. And I think NASCAR is just continuously cracking down and getting more strict about what they've not seen in the past and what they are able to see now. And now it's becoming to the point that, you know, they're catching a lot of this stuff that may have not uh, been exactly a hundred percent in the past. And, um, you know, one of the other things that I, I, I think it was last year, Richard Buck, who's the series um, director uh, for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, basically told these, uh, drivers don't come in here and waste a lot of time bring the car be prepared to present your car and um, let's get through the tech inspection because you know we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of problems last year too and I think these are uh, this year they're just going to start cracking down more and more and they are going to crack down this weekend especially at Martinsville because they're changing the process yes David you bring up a real good point there and I want to ask you this, David. With us having the 20 cars that uh, failed post-qualifying, post well, the others that did make it through post-qualifying, do you think them 20 were actually pushing the envelope? They actually knew where they were going to get caught at, and they, they thought they could get it through the, the shoebox, Hawkeye station, disco ball thing, whatever you want to call it. Do you think they Were they thinking in their mind that they could get something by NASCAR? Or, I don't know, I mean, it just seems odd, doesn't it, Stephen? Well, I think you have to look at over time. If a crew chief and a crew isn't trying to do something to gain an advantage on somebody else, I don't think they're doing their job. Do I call it cheating? No, I don't think it's necessarily cheating because it's they're being very creative and they're working within the bounds of what the rule book says. And sometimes, and a lot of times, they're finding these gray areas in the rule book that NASCAR is continuously, um, you know, updating, and they update it multiple times per year. They've even gone away from a, uh, a printed rule book to an electronic digital rule book because it allows them to make these changes in real time as they're starting to see these things become a problem. And I think, you know, uh, you know, teams are going to continuously look that rule book over no matter what's in there and what's printed in black and white onto it. And they're going to continue to find some gray area because that's their job. Honestly, at the end of the day, their job is to get some kind of, you know, a tenth here, a half tenth there, something on the competition because, you know, we are racing in such a closely competitive sport that sometimes it comes down to even uh, hundreds of, of a tenth. 
sometimes that you know these these cars are gaining advantages by doing one thing versus something else. It's not explicitly written in a rule book. Exactly, Stephen. And you mentioned I'm I've got my NASCAR rule book up now. I'm bringing it up trying to find, and I I hadn't checked it in a while. There's four uh four bulletins that I hadn't even looked at. Bulletin number five was sent. March fourteenth at four p.m. I'm assuming that's probably going to be what they were talk what you were talking about. Uh, and to throw this out there, I still have the last hardback copies that NASCAR printed of the rule book, so I got them put up to keep them. Stephen, l- l- let our listeners know exactly how they're going to change pre-qualifying or pre-race inspection uh, going into this weekend there at, at uh, Martinsville. I'm going to see if I can try to find it too. <laughs> Yeah, so this weekend there's going to be a change in the way that uh, uh, that the teams um, go through inspection. This this weekend they're going to change this up. They're going to have the teams not go through prior to qualifying. But what they are going to do is is that as soon as your call the qualifying is over, they're going to tech all the cars just like they would do in a uh, post race situation. Um, this uh, this is all the cars normally in the in a post-race situation, they would only tech, but, you know, a handful of chosen cars and things like that. But they're going to go through, they're going to tackle all the cars after they've gone out and qualifying is completed. If you can't pass post-qualifying inspection, you will be, your, your position will be given up, you'll have to give the position up and start at the rear of the field this weekend. So a little bit of a change um, this change. weekend. Change. Well, Stephen, you and I both knew that it was coming. So, sooner or later, NASCAR had to step in because, like you mentioned earlier in the in the last statement that you uh, mentioned, uh, they were taking too much time going through uh, going through tech, trying to get the car out there, and then they'd spin it around, go back. But now they only have that one station to go through, which is the Hawkeye. Last year, you know, they had, like you mentioned, the LIS, the uh, the uh, template, and one more, I think it was like three or four stations. And if you failed one, you had to go all the way back and start over and come through all that. But now, like you said, they put all that into that one box. I call it the box. I sent it when I was over at Atlanta Motor Speedway. <clears throat> it looked just like a movie theater. So it's, it's uh, black curtains. You push the car up in it, and these black curtains come down. And they're... You probably seen this too when you were at Daytona. I'm probably th- fishing all around here, but when I first got to Atlanta, I n- noticed these big round, look like paper plates, but they were stickers. They were white stickers. They were stuck on the front windshield and on the the back windshield. And I'm assuming that that's some point of reference that the Hawkeye throws at the car. Am I right, Stephen? Yeah, because the, it, it actually still uses lasers. It uses lasers to measure the car, diameter, width, uh, wheelbase, uh, multiple different points of reference on each of these uh, brands of cars. And what the white discs that you're seeing put onto it is, you know, it's keeping that laser beam outside of the cockpit of the car. Um, and and that, that's a point of reference for them to know that, it's not necessarily the interior it's, it's attempting to measure. It's the exterior, the width, the length, the wheelbase, um, multiple points of reference within the grill hood, uh, cockpit greenhouse, back lid door, um, sorry, back window, deck lid, um, and various other points of reference. So this, this thing actually gets very, very accurate. I mean, I, they, I think they said this thing could get down to a ten thousandth of an inch um, if a car is out of out of compliance. Golly, Stephen, ain't that taking it a little bit too far? A ten thousandth of an inch. It, that is, God, that is, whoa. They making them the same. They want everybody to be the same, Stephen. Yeah. And, and you know that's the point. Is you know the point. Is, the point of it, and that's where it's trying to continuously make this point. Scott Miller said that this year um, that you know the same thing. You know you you guys know what you need to be doing, and, and I'm paraphrasing him. To be honest, I'm not giving you a direct quote, but to paraphrase him, he basically said these guys should know what they're doing when they present their cars, and you know it's going to be up to the teams um, to to present that car. Um, 
you know, in a fashion that it's going to pass inspection without any major issues. And, and they're putting the onus back on the team to go in there and go back and make sure that when they bring that car, not only just to the track, but when they're working on it through the weekend, um, that they are bringing a piece of equipment to them that matches what the rule book says. Essentially, they're trying to cut out the funny business. Exactly, and I will agree with your statement earlier, Stephen. Uh, it's not called cheating. It's called pushing the envelope. That's a crew chief's job. That's a crew's job to do. Some people can do it better than the others, and some people have. I'm pretty sure somebody might have one of them simulated Hawkeye stations at, at their shop or either off the shop ground somewhere to sort of take it through there and see what they can manipulate, Stephen. I mean, you know, money, money can buy anything, and money's what money's what goes into all this stuff about figuring out how to not cheat, like you mentioned, but to push the envelopes, Steve. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, you know, NASCAR, before these cars can even roll to the track, NASCAR brings them down to their R&D system, runs them through the process, and certifies the car. And teams, NASCAR has continuously said at the, at the R&D center, this R&D center is open for you. You can bring the car down here at any time, as many times as you want to, and we're going to run this thing through and tell you all the problems that you have with it. And you can continue to bring it back to us. So, in honesty, you know, there's sometimes not an excuse for the teams to, you know, these cars to fail inspection as bad as they do. And especially when, when NASCAR is opening up the doors and said, bring the car down here. We certified the car for you, but that doesn't mean you didn't take it back to the shop. And you changed a part here or a piece there or somebody did something to it that you don't know about in the, in the process of moving the car from one one place to the other, bring it back and we'll, we'll re-scan these cars. We'll recertify the car for you. We'll tell you what's wrong with it. We'll tell you what's right with it. We'll tell you if it even passes to begin with. And I think, you know, that's where there is that onus that Scott Muller, you know, who is the vice president of competition, where Richard Buck last year kind of said the same thing, bring the car in. Don't waste a whole lot of our time. Don't waste the other team's problem be- uh, time because you're not only just taking time away from us and yourselves, but you're taking time away from all these teams that are sitting out there in the sun, the rain, the snow, the you know all the elements, and having to stand in line while you fail a car. And you know they may not make it through, and they have a car that war- that is ready to go and ready to race. So I think you know they're trying to really push that envelope back to the teams. So it's an ebb and flow back and forth, in my opinion. Very well said, brother. Very well said. Stephen, we finally going. We've come from Daytona. We've went to Atlanta Motor Speedway. You were at Daytona. I was at Atlanta. We've went out. We've done the West Coast Swing. Now we're coming back. We just get down to some show enough racing, Stephen. That half-mile paperclip up there just right outside of your back door, Martinsville Speedway. What are we looking at, Stephen? What do you think we're going to see? You think we're going to see uh, – a uh, first-time winner, maybe as in uh, William Byron, Chase Elliott, or you think we're going to look at some of the veterans there, maybe uh, uh, Denny Hamlin, uh, Joe Logano runs good there, uh, the number 88 car now with uh, Bowman in it. He runs well there. What do you, we finally get we, we get down to some showing up, running your ass, get out of my way racing right now. Uh, bumper to bumper, chrome horns, door to door banging, twisted up metal at the end of the day. Somebody will cross <laughs> the line after 500 miles of you know, nitty gritty racing around that half mile bull ring. Um, you know, you look back to last year, and I think last year was just a classic example of you know what Martinsville is Hamlin and Elliott going at it on the track, wrecking one another, then getting in one of those faces after the after. Uh, Elliot gained a ton of fans, hanging off a bunch of fans. There's booing, there's, there's screaming, there's you know middle fingers, you know there's all kinds of you know this 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 is what NASCAR racing is. Seventy plus years running around that that half mile paperclip, and I think it produces some of the best racing that we see on the circuit. And I'm and I'm gonna go ahead and say this right now because we're gonna leave Martinsville at the end of this weekend with the trucks and with the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. And we're going to have a litany of fans posting hundreds of posts about we need more short track racing. And I think, you know, there's some substance to that, that we need to get back to some of this short track racing because 
Not only is it good for TV, not only is it good from a story standpoint in the sport, but it's good because this is where the roots of this sport came from. Out of these half miles and five-eighths miles racetracks around the country, and, you know, a lot of this just homegrown feeling. And, you know, that's Martinsville, and I think that's what Martinsville produces every single year when people go. And it's just a shame sometimes that they don't fill up the stands. And I wish they did because for as many people that say they love short track racing, you have to you have to prove it by going to the track. And uh, we, we've seen it at Bristol. We've seen it at Richmond. We've seen it at Martinsville. All three of those tracks, short tracks, are, are down in attendance. And it just needs to be that people get back to these tracks because if they're excited about the racing week in and week out, I think that the reflection in the grandstand will start to shut. And Stephen, just to add to that there, that half-mile half paperclip there of Martinsville Speedway, to all the fans that's listening, if I have made the drive from Talladega there, it is a long drive. I'm not going to lie. It's a, long, it's a long drive, but every mile was damn well worth it. When I got there and watched that on that short track there, Clay Campbell and his team up there, they put on an awesome show there at Martinsville Speedway. I've been to Bristol, another short track. I've been to your home track right outside your back door, too, Stephen, Richmond. I've been there. There's nothing like short track racing there at Richmond, Bristol, Martinsville. I mean, it's just like you said, it's 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 grassroots. It's back to the beating and banging. It's back to a show enough when a hot dog was a hot dog. I'm craving hot dogs. You're going to have to bail me some in Martinsville hot dogs. Bro. <laughs> Speaking about those Martinsville hot dogs, Jesse Jones who provided the hot dogs for decades at that racetrack until Smithfield took over two years ago, is coming back to Martinsville this uh, year. So we've got Jesse Jones back there, a legend in its own right, still $2 for a hot dog there at the racetrack. But just, for God's sake, just don't put ketchup on the hot dog. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want onions neither, do you, brother? No, no onions, but I'm just really just, you know, the the ketchup thing kills me on a Martinsville hot dog. <laughs> Stephen, you're making me hungry. Stephen, <laughs> if you got to let everybody know the schedule for this weekend, brother. We'll go ahead and get out of here. I know you got a lot of stuff to do. I got a lot of stuff to catch up on, too, after all them tornadoes and stuff work. But if you got the schedule handed there, brother, let everybody know what's going on. Yeah, you know, I've got this ready to go up here. You know, this weekend, as we've already just been talking about one time, we're coming back to the half-mile paperclip in Martinsville, Virginia. This is a NASCAR original racetrack. It has been on the circuit every single year and even predates NASCAR itself. So if you're in the area, if you're listening, if you can drive, fly, or walk there, Get to Martinsville Speedway this weekend for some door-banging chrome horn racing this weekend. Anyhow, NASCAR Camper World Truck Series qualifying at 11.05 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to be followed at 2 o'clock Eastern, 250 laps, 131.5 miles for NASCAR Camper World Truck Series Alpha Energy 250 this weekend. The trucks are back in action. Xfinity Series is off uh, to follow truck Series racing at approximately 510 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying for Sunday STP 500 200 I mean 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series racing 500 miles 263 500 laps 263 miles around that half mile paperclip and it's it I, I I'm hoping we see something like we did last year with beating and banging and and, and temper flaring and Lakes get turned on and all kinds of good stuff, and you know, right out there in the mountains of Virginia. I believe if we were there doing a show, we would have to play that button that we did for Shannon Spate that let's get ready to rumble because I'm pretty sure it's going to happen, Steve. I don't think there's going to be no hoping about it. I think it ain't going to be a matter of if, it's going to be a matter of when somebody's tempers flare. That's for sure because you can't make it around <laughs> there that long without getting into somebody. No, you can't. And Stephen, we're coming up pretty on the top of the hour. Just want to let everybody know, uh, next Tuesday night, we've got Public Relations Director from here at Tyler Super Speedway, Mr. Russell Branham. He's going to come on and talk about, uh, talk about his big deal coming up toward the end of April. And their new sponsor, that 1000buffs.com, is going to pick up there at the, at the other race, the fall race. I'm pretty sure he won't 
he wants to talk about that. But, um, Stephen, uh, let everybody know if I can follow you on social media and your website. You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, facebook.com, and speedwaydigest.com. I'm actually going to have Nick Alton out there this weekend covering all the action for us from Rick Deer in Martinsville, Virginia, for the half-mile paperclip. I'm always going to continue to call it that. The original name of it. It is. Stephen, again, thank you very much for being a great co-host for me. Thank you for everything that you do for uh, for my for my site too. Uh, Stephen Wilson designed my uh, pitstopradio.net site, and well, thank you very much for doing that for me. It works really, really well. If, if you need any website, anything done, just give Stephen Wilson a shoot him an email over. I'm pretty sure he'll be he'll be glad to help you out. We're gonna say uh, good night from Talladega. I'm like I said, until next Tuesday night. Uh, uh, Public Races Director from Tyler Super Super Speedway, Mr. Russell Branham. We will talk to you then. And for Stephen Wilson, uh, I'm Tim with Spain and uh, Suzanne to Spain answering the phone. We're going to say good night from Dega Nation. Walking down the street, hand in mouth. Don't keep them other guys And that one night I'm looking at you But it's alright And that's okay Who could blame them anyway You're so pretty and you ain't even got a clue Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.